0: Landline radio, landline radio, I energy, no filter. Oh yeah! All right, folks, we're back. I'm very excited to be joined here uh, by Joe Marushak, the head of Conoco Phillips Alaska.
1: Good, good to see you again, Jeff.
0: You, you, you got a really good view in the office here.
1: We do have good view. I'm glad you could come up and do it out of our office here. This well, is fun.
0: A little bit smoky, I think, with some of those fires, but... A little
1: bit. What, what a, little a view. Bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So, very excited to be uh, to be doing this with you. Um, got a lot to talk to you about, about your history in the oil business sure. with Conoco. Uh, first, I think the funny story is the way we met by accident was about three years ago, two and a half years ago, I went to a Christmas party, and it was... Doug Smith's new house up there on the hillside and there was no Google map so they sent like a PDF uh, with the location and I couldn't find it and I finally found the road and long story short uh, I thought I found the house and it was your house
1: right right and, right and it didn't bother you didn't know anybody there and came in anyway so <laughs> well, well
0: when I was coming in I saw a Porsche Babcock okay coming out okay. so I figured oh Porsche kind of yeah. you know like resourced so I kind of thought right. And, and, you know, I was told there was an ugly sweater party. I said, somebody must have been playing a joke on me because no one's wearing ugly sweaters. But um, I did like your zebra.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, I thought the best part of the whole thing, I think you were downstairs by the pool table, weren't you?
0: I was by the pool table and the zebra because I asked where the alcohol was.
1: Yeah, okay. And then Barb, my assistant, my longtime assistant here, who's, you know, not not a very big woman, but she's pretty tough. No. Comes in, what she do? Grab you by the ear, grab well, you she, by the shoulder. She, Somehow she hauled you out.
0: She tapped me on the shoulder and said, "What are you doing here?" And I said, "Oh, I was invited." She goes, "Who the hell invited you?" And I said, "Doug Smith." And she goes, "No, no, no. He's up the street. You're at a private party." Yeah. And I said, "Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Let me, you know, can I finish my beer?" And she goes no
1: <laughs> no you can't you have she, to go she, she could have at least let just you finish your beer <laughs> She, she uh, but then you came over to Doug's later that <laughs> that's night right. and we, yeah, we laughed yeah. about it so yeah yeah that was good That was the, good
0: the story still people still bring that up to me once in a while yeah
1: no harm done it's um yeah, it was pretty that's funny good. that's good
0: so you've been in Alaska now
1: for how, how long in this current so I was here from 2000 to 2007 and then I came back early 2015 and then you were um, I recall in Australia right so, uh, after I left here in 2007, I went to Australia and we were there for about three years and then we went to Calgary for two years and then over to Singapore where I uh, managed all ConocoPhillips, uh, 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 Southeast Asia and Middle East assets from Singapore. It was a fascinating place to live. And then 2015, right as oil starting to crash, I came back here.
0: So you had, um, before you were in Alaska the first time, where, where are you from? What's kind of your background? In-
1: Originally from Wyoming and, uh, I had uh, gone to University of Wyoming and then grad school at Utah and uh, wanted to just go back to Wyoming, spend my whole career there. And so Phillips Petroleum at the time offered me a chance to go back to Casper. I'm from Rock Springs, but I went back to Casper because I was going to spend my whole career there. And uh, six months later, they started transferring me. So it's worked out fine, but I've had uh, primarily background in operations engineers, operating engineering, uh, drilling engineering, but I've done a little bit of treasury, a little bit of refining little bit of, uh, of uh, commercial negotiations and then mostly operating these, uh, these relatively big assets for ConocoPhillips. You ever do any skiing in Wyoming? Did some skiing, did a lot of hunting, uh, did a lot of fishing. So Alaska actually is, uh, we consider that, we've considered that home ever since we moved here in 2000 because it's very, it's what we like to do. It's a lot of outdoor activities that we really like to do.
0: So you didn't originally plan on Going over the wor- all over the world and doing these different roles, you kind of wanted to stay.
1: I had no aspirations to do that, none whatsoever. But having looked back on it, it's really been great that Phillips and then Phillips has given me those opportunities because we've, we've really enjoyed it. We've lived in something like 13 or 14 different locations, 13 or 14 different moves, and really got a much better sense of what the world's all about. Met a whole bunch of really interesting people, uh, got to live in some really interesting places, but it, it's always good to come back to Alaska.
0: Where where did you uh, live in Australia?
1: So I was in in Perth. Okay, I spent some time in Perth. Yeah, that's the far end of the world right there.
0: Yeah, it's funny, right? When when the the, the party crash, uh, accidental party crash happened, I was just about to go to Australia. Mm -hmm. I was leaving in like three or four days, and I I was there for almost a year, and I was talking to you and your wife about some places to go or kind of some stuff to see, so...
1: Isn't that a great place to live?
0: Oh, I was I was all over. I was in Darwin. Yeah, which was pretty wild and then yep. Perth is kind of so different than Sydney or Melbourne. It's right. it's a whole it's a huge country. Yep. Like, people don't realize how big it is.
1: That's well, same as you. Yeah. It's kind of like the same as the US except no Mississippi River. So mm-hmm. there's nothing in the middle.
0: Yeah, it's about the same yeah, size the lower 48. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when when these transfers happen, I mean is it kind of you go somewhere for two or three years and then they say you're going here
1: next or do you Yeah, for the most part, um you know, generally, uh, I don't know if I've ever asked for a move. I don't think I have. I think I did. The one time I did ask for a move was uh, actually in 2007, because tax the tax laws were changing up here. And I thought that we were probably going to go into a big decline in the oil business here. And so I thought, man, I still wanted to go do other things. So I did ask to, to, uh, to go, and that overseas move to Perth came about. And I was right. Uh, oil tax changed and we didn't invest very much for quite a while. And then SB 21 came in 2013 and we started investing again. So it was a great time to come back.
0: So seven, that was kind of the ACE, ACEs.
1: Right. It, yeah. It started out as, uh, if you remember, PPT, mm-hmm. and then it evolved into ACEs. And ACEs really was a structure that wasn't really designed to attract much investment.
0: Yeah. No, I remember at the time it was, I moved here in 04 and, you know, in, started paying one and then that whole thing started and it seemed to be kind of just a cascading um movement towards all that in the legislature and yeah um
1: it was a tough time yeah
0: so speaking of that so you know one of the things now is conoco has been really busy Um, i worked in the oil business for about a year and right uh you guys this last i guess the season before there was um one of your busiest seasons in a long time,
1: right? Right, right. So, uh, yeah. Normally, our exploration season we have to do it all from ice roads and ice pads, and so we go from about December to April. So, 2017 April we drilled uh, 2017 uh, and and 18 we drilled uh, eight exploration wells. We had a number of tests on that about 120 miles or so of ice road if i recall at the time and then we followed that up this december to april of this year and we drilled uh, eight more exploration wells we tested all so we did production tests on all eight of them either injection or producing on on all eight of those about 147 miles of ice roads something like 50 million dollars of ice roads and i was just up on the slope um uh, earlier this week, with uh, we took the National uh, Fish and Wildlife Foundation board up there, and uh, we took them on a flyover, so we could see every place that we had been drilling from ice roads. It's all melted now, and there's nothing there. You can't see anything there, which is the way we want it. There's no damage to the tundra, and no pads or anything while you're in the exploration phase. It's really, really cool. So, how much of that uh, additional new investment has been the result of
0: of SB twenty one you mentioned before about Aces and Especially when the price of oil went up to 140, I mean the the windfall uh, tax was pretty 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 big. Yeah.
1: So so right now, kind of our average capital. So we have an operating budget that we that we that we use for all our operating needs, and then we have a capital budget. The capital budget is very flexible. We have. <clears throat> just kind of order magnitude Jeff we have about 900 to a billion dollars a year in capital we've been doing over about the last three or four years and you think about that about a third of that or so is maintenance and then the other two-thirds is all discretionary so the discretionary is where we do either projects or exploration so since I've been back we've done we finished up cd5 we did uh, news 1h these are all drill pads uh, each do kind of 20 25, barrels a day uh, we started up GMT Greater Moose's Tooth one last year, and this year we're also we're working on Greater Moose's Tooth two, which is about another ten miles or so out further west into NPRA, and we'll bring that on in 2021. That'll be about about 30,000, 35,000 barrels a day, we think. And then the exploration work we've been doing now is all direct, mostly directed at Willow, which is another kind of 10, 15 miles out further into NPRA. And that'll be, we, we, we think that's going to be a, a big development for us. We think that'll be somewhere around maybe 100,000 barrels a day of, of production around 2025, 2026, something like that.
0: Yeah, and there's also, you know, Oil Search has got that deal, uh, picker, right? P-
1: p- picker, right, pica, right.
0: Um, right. And, and with, what they're talking about is, I think it's a it hundred thousand barrels a day or
1: yeah i think they're t- talking order of magnitude that as well so and that's between alpine and kuparek so uh, there's already infrastructure there that, that's that's really helping them out now they they have to do their drill sites they may do a central process facility but if you think about where the state's headed since hb21 you've now got the the willow um, discovery you've got the picket discovery you've got gmt2 We've got a PUTU discovery. You got ENI working on their Spyglass opportunities. You got Hillcorp working on Milne. The, the We've really experienced a renaissance. It takes it ta- our business. It takes a five, seven, ten-year window in order to go from first discovery to first production. But that's a lot of potential production on the horizon for the state. It's really exciting. That's one of the
0: questions I was going to ask you about. You know the oil taxes. I, I think since the pipeline oil started flowing, we've had. Five or six, maybe more major kind of changes. Right. It seems like every five or ten years, some new. There's ELF or there's PPT or there's Aces or. Right. Um, what what kind of impact does that have for for you as a decision maker to say, oh, there's a big find here. We li- we think we got to right. explore it. We want to produce it. That takes you said five to what seven years? Five, maybe?
1: seven, eight, ten years. Yeah, depending S- on permitting. So when you guys are making
0: those decisions, and, and you think about the ta- what does a tax discussion have, uh, what kind of impact does that have on these decisions?
1: Well it has it has two it, you know it has either two or three real things that we think about. One is just the constant discussion about changing or increasing taxes. Fiscal stability is extremely important in order to attract investment. And if you look at a place like Texas or even in most of the places we operate, we have fairly fiscal st- uh, st- stable terms. And then there's the absolute amount of tax because in our business, it, it's just math. There's no emotion to it. It's just math. So when we look at the tax structure, we look at that as a cost. We build it into our economics. And then that the, the Alaska projects have to compete against lower 48 shale projects. They have to compete against our international projects. So if you increase taxes, you increase cost, our economics get worse and we're less attractive for investment. So that's why we say it's just math. So really, we look for stability. We're not looking for any changes in the tax laws now. We think that they are they work for what we're trying to do for Willow and picket invest, investments and things like that. So we're looking for stability. But it would be really good if we could just all align that uh, the structure we have right now works for the state, works for the producers, works for the people of Alaska.
0: The talk you know, lately has been, by some legislators, uh well, you know, I think Senator Wilkowski in particular is these kind of these—they call them credits, but but they're they're really deductions. They're deductions, yeah. And, and um, I guess that term, because maybe because of the exploration credits, people really started focusing on yeah. credits. That that term, but um, I, I think I, I was talking to somebody, and if you were to actually do that,
1: it would be an effective thirty percent tax increase, on in some it cases. Could, it could be depending on what you end up doing, but I think what's really important, Jeff, and you landed on it, what what the. What they called tax credits were intended to do is to, at low prices, it kind of flattened out the, uh, the production tax. So we, we always pay royalty. We always pay the same amount of royalty or percentage of royalty. We always pay income taxes if we make any income. We always pay property taxes and then we pay severance taxes. And the severance tax you're talking about is the one that has the per barrel credits that was really at low oil prices intended to kind of moderate the tax and that's where it gradually went into a gross tax of four percent of the gross and then at higher prices it goes to a net tax where it's got these credits involved in that. And it's really unfortunate it was called credits because it is it's just a it's just a flattening or a tearing of the tax system.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's- Essentially, it's kind of like an income tax deduction, right? You have a deduction on
1: something you're well off. Off the production tax on a net basis, yes. We, we you take the value of the product, and you take out transportation, you take out certain operating costs, and then from there you 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 create the uh, the basis for the net tax. After that,
0: yeah. This might be too simple, but I've always thought, why don't they just you know the simplest way would just be you know each barrel you produce, you pay a, a certain amount, and that that that's I think doesn't Norway
1: something kind of like that or are they uh, the, all all in my experience and I've, I've worked you know all over the world the uh all the tax systems are, are are a little bit different but what what you're talking about if you just took it on royalty is a gross tax basically yeah, it's a, yeah. It, it's a, and so yeah you could do it that way um what it's i think what the, the basis of the net basis was supposed to be so that if we're making good money at higher prices the state makes more if we're making less uh, the state make makes less. When we got down into uh, two thousand six, if you remember, right after Christmas two thousand fifteen, right after that, when oil prices got to twenty eight, mm-hmm. I mean that's when the severance tax obviously was the very lowest because uh, we we were pretty severely underwater. Even then, we were paying a four percent gross tax. Uh, something
0: else uh, recently, I guess it was last year. There was this deal with Kaparek and BP. Mm-hmm um maybe talk a little bit about that how that how that works and how, how you guys are kind of share some of the fields but then somebody's operating it
1: yeah so <clears throat> right now um on the fields, the, th- the three big fields and and uh and Mil- and uh, the stuff the hillcorp's doing is is, pre- is pretty big as well but we're um uh, Prudhoe is operated by bp we operate Kaparik. we operate alpine last year uh, we bought out BP's interest in Kuparic. They had about 35, 36% interest in Kuparic. And so we now own 95% of Kuparic. The other 5% is owned a little bit by Shell and Chevron. And then we also bought out Anadarko out of the western north slope, Alpine and everything to the west. So we own 100% of uh, of that now. So... Uh, yeah, we're up to about forty-six percent of the total production of the state, just ConocoPhillips alone between our interest in WNS and Caparic, uh, and then our thirty-six percent interest in Prudhoe Bay. So it's a pretty big chunk of the of the production coming from just ConocoPhillips. I'm not aware of too many places where you've got one producer that's got got that much. Uh, uh, production, but we're very committed. Uh, we've uh, our capital size, like I said, for our capital programs, we've been nine hundred to a billion dollars over the last four years. Uh, when we make our final investment decision on on uh, Willow, assuming that that we find through this exploration season and next that that uh, warrants that kind of roughly hundred thousand barrels a day, that's about a three billion dollar upfront investment between the initial capital for the facilities and the wells. And so that and that that would be on top of whatever else we're doing. So be a big commitment to the state of Alaska. And, you know, oil search, what they're doing at PICA is kind of order of magnitude the same. So there's a lot of potential money coming into the state, which means lots of jobs um, and and then lots of royalties, severance taxes, income taxes, all those sorts of things. So um, what what really kind of gets me excited, though, is 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 really the chance to have so many new jobs and so much new construction and we really focus on Alaskan companies as much as possible mm-hmm. because, you know, it, it's good for us and well, good for our kids. The company
0: I used to work for, we, we yeah. did a lot of, they ongoing do a lot of work with Conoco, a local, right. local company. Right. Um, so, let's say in the ideal world, everything, you know, personal oil stays, stays where it is or goes up and yeah. think these projects mm-hmm. move forward. Um, where could the state be in, you know, five or ten years because I know the, the peak was, what, two million barrels a day
1: in the 80s and now we're, right, over half a million. Yeah, we're about 525 something like that. Yeah, right. Now, 525,000 barrels a day right now. So, the way I tend to think about this is you we're, st- we're always going to have decline on the base production at Prudhoe and and and, and Alpine. So we'll be over the next five, six years. We'll have some decline coming, though. But if we can get Willow up, if we can get GMT2 up, which we believe will happen in 2021, if we can get uh, PICA up, if Hillcorp can uh, expand Milne, you know, I can see not all these things come on at the same time, and they don't all come on at peak rates. But you can kind of easily make the case of 750,000 barrels a day, maybe a little bit less, a little bit more than that. But what's really amazing out of that is out of these fairly old provinces like we've got in the in Alaska here, where we've been producing for more than 40 years now. And uh, with all the, the, the issues where we stopped investing, started investing, stopped investing, we were able to curb that decline over the last several years at about this 500, 525,000 barrels a day. And then if we can increase that another two, 250,000 barrels a day, who knows, maybe more. Uh, that's that's pretty unusual. I mean, I think
0: the original pipeline, wasn't it like a 30- or 40-year deal? And now we're, right. we're over 40, right? We're over so, 40. We're over 40. Um, I think I somebody had said 40, 40 more. That's what he was yeah. recently talking about.
1: Right, right. So, yeah, there, and uh, it's um, with enhanced oil recovery, the way we've been able to do uh, – Uh, secondary and tertiary recovery and uh, what we see in terms of step outs these little opportunities Uh, we think we can keep we've got to keep Prudhoe Alpine and Kupark those have to remain healthy because that's the infrastructure from which everything will grow from but we think there's a way of getting there for another 20 30 40 years something like that so it's uh, yeah we're we're thinking about the base and the opportunities as well.
0: So I want to ask you a little bit about ConocoPhillips their kind of involvement in the in the community, I mean, I, I'm sure. a season ticket holder for the symphony and yep. um, whenever yeah. you go to the symphony or anything at the pack, it's, you guys are always mentioned. I, I'd say you guys are probably, um, probably, along with BP, you guys are along, kind of the most known, you're very, you're very visible as right. far as the community and what's going on. Um, and I, ever since I've been here, it's been like that.
1: Can you talk a little bit about that and kind of role in the community? Sure, sure. So um, we've got a total of a thousand employees in Alaska here. The vast majority, more than 80 percent, are Alaskans. I'm an Alaskan. Everybody in this building's an Alaskan, and uh, uh, we're very dedicated to to trying to do what we can in the community. So we kind of break it up into three or four different areas that we think about. One is kind of basic services. So we we get involved with the United Way. Uh, I sit on the board of the United Way. Most of the of the charitable organizations has a ConocoPhillips member on the board so we 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 provide services to them to uh the homeless situations to uh uh, basic social needs if you can we get involved in in uh in providence we've been we've done projects there we've done projects throughout the city on that we think are good we do a little bit on what you're talking about the arts and uh, uh, those sorts of things we try to support those um and then and then we do uh quite a bit on what our employees would like us to do so we'll do uh we'll 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 help fix the zoo one day we'll um get involved in the heart run we so what, what our employees are interested in is really what we're interested in in as well but the bottom line is we want to be a good corporate citizen we 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 think we we think we are um I have a, a lot of passion around uh, around a lot of these things. For instance, the mayor asked me to sit in on his uh, homeless homelessness council, so oh, I'm participating huh. in that because um, it's a huge problem
0: here. It's funny you mentioned, mentioned that. We've been all week long. We're working on a, right now a story on that, a video
1: story. We've Are been, you? Doing, uh, doing a whole bunch of work on that all, all this week, so yeah. The, well, you know, I don't have the solutions. That's actually why I'm, I want to participate in it because I think it's just uh, it's 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 uh, it's a real problem, and it it's kind of heartbreaking just to see folks that. Uh, don't really have a may not have a direction my hope is that for most of the folks there if we can just give them a leg up they can they can start over again because i I can guarantee you being on one side of the fence or on the other side of the fence sometimes it's just one or two bad breaks that have happened Mm -hmm. to you so if you can give that person that opportunity to get back on the other side that's that's what i'd like to do i
0: I think you're right i mean i spent last couple we spent time in those camps talking to those folks and a lot of it happens you know just talking to them you know some, some people i think it's kind of especially in the summertime it's not bad being there but but um some of them just kind of don't know where to you know who do i go f- to for help and right i think that's a big big part of it is, right. is kind of where do i go and when i'm, right. when I'm ready to you know want to get help right um what else was i going to ask you about uh, oh yeah so you, you know there's bp and there's exxon and there's hillcorp and all these companies and E <laughs> and i um and i see you guys like at aoga <laughs> and i know you guys all all you talk and you're very friendly um so but you guys are Kind of, in some ways, competitors, right? But in some ways, you're partners with Conoco and BP and Exxon, and maybe talk a little bit about, you know, working as partners, yep. as you know, owners of the pipeline, um, and then also maybe you're interested in the same lease uh, potentially. Right. Maybe talk a little bit about how that how that works.
1: Well, we're very intense competitors, that's for sure, um, uh, and you see that in in most most directly. When, uh, when there's a lease sale and, and various companies think that it's, it's perspective. So you'll see that, that we're very competitive on that. We're also very competitive on, uh, and this sometimes works against the industry itself, but on wanting to get our projects up when we make that investment decision as quickly as possible. So there's sometimes competition over the contractors. But on the other hand, uh, most of what we have, once you get past the lease sales, there's an awful lot in common. And uh, and, the, and the, the biggest probably uh, thing that f- folks think we compete on that we don't is all oil down taps is good for everybody. It's good for the state, and it's good for all the producers. It reduces the total tariff. So the faster that oil search can bring up PICA, that's good for ConocoPhillips. It's good for oil search and their investors. That's good for us. That's good for the state. The same with Hillcorp and the same with, uh, with BP and Exxon. Uh, we recently so in, when I was here the first time about 2004 don't quote me on the date but I think about 2004 uh, we, we pulled out of Ayoga so we were the only major company that Oh six, oh six. 06 yeah because 06. I, I remember
0: we were including including that in our story and I went and looked it up
1: okay okay so 06 uh, yeah we pulled out of, uh, of Ayoga because it really was that we were on different places in terms of and I, development and tax structures and things like that but uh, in April this year we Rejoined AOGA again. It was, it, it, we, and so we got that much in common now that we thought it's good to have industry to have one voice. And that's the Alaska Oil and Gas Association yeah. for, yeah, thanks, Jeff. Some of the listeners, um, they don't know.
0: And yeah, I kind of made it in the video we did for the a- AOGA conference. I made kind of a joke. I said, kind of goes by, back after again, a short 13 year break, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. why I remember the date, yeah. yeah. So, so, um, in AOGA, uh, um, I learned recently, I it's kind of interesting, I guess there's Thirteen members, or four, I think it's about about that, somewhere around that, yeah. Um, yeah. But it's a, uh, the decisions are kind of it's got to be unanimous, right? Or it's got to be a right. consensus right. Right. of everybody. So right. I, I could see that could I could see that could be frustrating. So,
1: so that that used to be a problem, and uh, but uh, like I said, Jeff, there's enough commonality now that uh, I think we can find a way to all get on the same page. Because really, uh, you know, we're we're at a stage in in Alaska here where we all need to be pulling the same direction, and it's really exciting to have. Uh, other companies up here that really want to in, in, invest in in you know the biggest uh willow will be the biggest development since we did alpine in 2002 and if Pickett comes on then you kind of got two of them that are of that size which is which is unprecedented back to the days of Prudhoe and park and where exactly is willow and then when was that kind of discovery made so uh willow is about another 15 or so miles uh east or west rather of uh, moose's tooth one so it's out further into npra we made the discovery in uh, 2015 i believe we acquired some new leases it was either fifteen or sixteen, and then we acquired some new leases the year after that. Then we had our big exploration program in the winter of 2018, and followed up in 2019. So, so is there an estimate of how many barrels that could produce? Or? Roughly 100,000 barrels a day. Wow. So, right now we think we've got uh, discovered resources, this is we call them. So these are kind of producible resources of between 600 million and one point one, one point two billion barrels of additional discovered resource.
0: Was that? Um Discovery based on, like, seismic, or was it kind of a hunch, or how how did... It's not hunch. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how that works. <laughs> do you guys get a hunch once in a while? We don't invest that kind of money. If I, was, if I was in charge, the money would be gone real quick. Yeah. I got a real good feeling about over there. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's based on, on an awful lot on seismic. Seismic has gotten so much better. Uh, modern 3D seismic in terms of uh, in, no, not destructive at all, but it allows us to, to do a 3D image of, of where, where we think the resource is. So we do that, and then we'll generally go out and next program isn't you go out and you drill eight wells all at once you drill one or two and figure out what the geology is telling you and then you develop an exploration program from that so you'll be able to kind of see what we're doing because this next uh, winter we're going to do some more appraisal so that's not development yet but appraisal on willow and then we're going to go south west Another kind of fifteen miles or something like that that's usually about what these distances are, and we're going to uh, try to drill another prospect we call harpoon so the the seismic it's um as far as I
0: understand it's not a guarant- I mean, it's not a guarantee but mm-hmm. it gives you kind of an, uh, a pretty pretty good idea Is that
1: it, it basically tells you based on on the amplitudes and the size you know where it may be where you may have find some hydrocarbon, but then you always have to go drill it to find out for sure so What's it like around here in the summertime
0: versus, maybe the office is kind of the same, but summer versus winter? Because winter is when the drilling happens, a lot of the drilling happens, exploration. What's what's going on right now in the summertime?
1: So so we drill exploration in the winter because we have to do that from ice, ice pads. But in the summertime, fall, and then the two shoulders, we're always drilling development wells. So we'll drill from existing gravel pads. That could we Right now, I think we've got six or seven rigs running right now, in fact, even uh, maybe closer to six of uh of rigs that are running on uh, at alpine and cuparic and uh, uh those will be running we basically have those contracted on a long-term basis so we keep those running all the time and then we add ad- additional resources when it comes time for exploration season so that's
0: uh drilling additional holes and already pr- already proven fields yes to get more to
1: yeah. get more oil out. yeah yeah exactly exactly now it might be uh, you know uh, something that hasn't been tested as well before so it's that kind of step out or it may be an area that we that we thought was less Productive really with new with new drilling techniques um, What we drill now we, what we used to do Jeff is we used to drill kind of straight down or kind of a slant now What we do generally is we go down and out so for instance uh, uh, we, we, We've we got laterals that we've gone 27,000 feet. So uh, if you think about that. That's six miles on five miles the Directional um, direction and I know did
0: one that was 30 like
1: Thirty-five thousand feet, I think, something like that. Yeah, that's incredible. And we're uh, we're bringing on a new ex, uh, what we call an ERD, a uh, extended reach drilling rig, and it'll come on uh, next March or April. And with that, we'll be able to go out at some of these deeper reservoirs, thirty-seven thousand feet. So if you think about thirty-seven thousand feet, that's from drilling where you're sitting right now, over to over to Cabela's, all the way out to Cabela's. And we can put that drill bit in a gun safe. We can side it in that well.
0: Yeah, no, I know I worked. You know, we, we did company hours that was was casing. So yeah. we have to put those holes require casing to go down the whole way. So right, right. you can imagine how long it takes to. They're about forty feet a piece, and you got to put them on one at a time.
1: Yeah, it'd be a pretty pretty good contract for you to go back and get again. I know, maybe maybe they can bring me bring me back. <laughs>
0: um, well, Joe, I want to thank you for doing this. I know I know you're very busy, and it's it's a very beautiful Friday afternoon. But um, it's been great talking to you and getting to know you over the years, and yeah. and uh. I think, I think Conoco is one of the companies we all kind of know and see a lot in the building down here. So it's good to chat with you and get some more information about what you guys are up to and what the what the future plans are.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you coming by. It's always good to have a have a discussion about what's on our mind and what we're thinking. And uh, the more information we can get out to the general public, we think that, that's good. So I appreciate you coming by, Jeff.
0: Okay. Well, uh, make sure to let me know if you're having a c- party for Christmas uh, next next December. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get you your own name tag this yeah. time. <laughs> I'll wear a suit, too. Okay. So. All, right. All right, Joe. Well, thanks a lot, and I uh, appreciate your time. And folks, if you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast uh, down the road, let me know, and we'll talk to you next time. Landline.